Hi, and welcome to Popaholics, the show where a dad and daughter dish on um, pop culture over a drink. Uh, I'm having coffee. I was. But anyway, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. I'm not drinking anything because I thought we were not going to, I thought we were going <laughs> away from that. Uh, I forgot and mentioned it, so. But I so, had coffee earlier, so there you go. <laughs> so Kate, what uh, what pop culture have you been consuming? Um, so we can go ahead and get right into it. And this is like a pretty serious kind of a bummer thing to talk about right off the top, but we'll like, we'll get it out of the way. And then the rest of the show will be like, and then I can talk about something serious and depressing. Next. So this will be the <laughs> so, serious and depressing show. But go ahead. So I, this weekend finished the Netflix docuseries sins of our mother which is about the downfall of Lori Vallow, Vallow, who, if you don't know, she is currently in prison awaiting trial on murder charges. Specifically, there's like four four or five, uh, I think, murders that she is connected to. Unfortunately, two of them being her own children. So, yeah. So I don't want to like get it's There's so much, Dad. It's like a three- three or four episode series. And I had first heard about this kind of, kind of in real time when it was happening, they couldn't find her for a long time and the kids were missing. And so there are so many people in the string of the, you know, timeline. That's not a timeline. That's me just like (laughs) exploding my fingers so much and so many people. Uh, involved and goings on and like it's crazy crazy so this series this Netflix series I felt like did a really good job of laying everything out in a very organized way for me to kind of wrap my head around more so what was going on and I don't want to say anything else about what she did because it is very triggering and so if our listeners want to skip this then (laughs) that's totally understandable but as a true crime person i felt like it was a very well done series so sins <laughs> of the mother on netflix yeah there's a religion involved mental health issues her having her you know own trauma and how she responds and it's just like a a huge a huge mess a huge like cautionary tale maybe about if one of your family members is, is maybe not doing so good in the first place then probably like kind of keep an eye on them make sure they're not like being indoctrinated into some like crazy offshoot of a religion because it's it's gonna get messy overall I think is what we're <laughs> what we've seen with the past of like true crime, true crimes and like cult-like situations you know, uh, people people saying that God is talking to them and the angels are talking to them. Not that that's not that there are people that uh, don't experience that or that it's not in a truly benevolent way. But also, just like if the vibes are off, let's let's kind of keep an eye on it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so sins sins of our yeah. mother on Netflix. Sins of our mother. On Netflix. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about um, a couple of movies that uh, we saw at the Heartland Film Festival here in Indianapolis, which just concluded 
yesterday, Sunday, October 16th. And the closing movie was The Whale, uh, Mm -hmm. 2022 American psychological drama directed by Darren Aronskoski. He's the guy who did Black Swan. and Yeah. Black Swan, Mother, a bunch of movies like that. From a screenplay written by Samuel D. Hunter, based on Hunter's 2012 play of the same name. Now, the movie is a comeback for Brendan Fraser, who people may remember from the Mummy movies, uh, George of the Jungle, of Gods and uh, Monsters, which is a great look at the creator, uh, the creating of the movie Frankenstein. And so he's not made a movie in a long time. And according to him, he was blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Back in, uh, he went public with about an alleged sexual assault in 2003 in a hotel room involving a former president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is the organization behind the, the Golden Globes. So he claims that he's, you know, that's why he hasn't uh, been able to get good roles. So this role is oh, yeah. juicy. This role is juicy. The, as the movie begins, he plays Charlie who is an extremely obese, like we're talking 600 pounds, English teacher teaching online college courses uh, with his camera off so his students have no idea what he looks like. And he's living like a hermit in his apartment. He has a health scare. The health scare reveals that his blood pressure is dangerously high, like uh, go to the hospital immediately kind of high, but he won't. And mm-hmm. the reasons for that become apparent later in the movie. But the thing is, then he knows, you know, he could die in any any minute. His one wish is to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter, who is played with a fiery unlikability and cynicism by Sadie Sink of Stranger mm-hmm. Things. She's Max on Stranger Things. Okay. Now, the best thing about The Whale is uh, Frazier's performance, which is Oscar worthy. He gained 50 to 300 pounds for the role. Then um, there's also uh, extensive use of prosthetics. And he's really, he's huge. He's like Jabba the Hutt, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very kind of repulsive uh, appearance. And then there's these scenes of just gross out gluttony. Okay. Um, But he brings like a gentleness um, and openness to Charlie that makes him empathetic. And one thing I was thinking about with all of the, the prosthetics and the, and the, the weight, a lot of his acting is done with his eyes and yeah. he, he really brings that off pretty, pretty well. Unfortunately, the whale has problems. Uh, for one thing, it came from a play often feels very stagey particularly in the scenes with Samantha Morton, who plays Charlie's ex-wife. She, she has the steady way she moves there while giving a particular line. Then she moves to another part of the room while giving this <laughs> other line. I mean, it just screams play. One review, reviewer described the whale as, quote, mean-spirited people yelling at each other, unquote, which is kind of true. I would have to say that the director's known for uh, melodramatic uh, movies with disturbing elements. The whale's definitely melodramatic, hammy, and very disturbing in the scenes of Charlie basically eating himself to death. Yeah. The whale sparked a big discussion in our house. The Heartland Film Festival's mission is, quote, to curate, promote, and celebrate thoughtful and engaging films from diverse perspectives, unquote. And many of the Heartland films we've seen are uplifting and positive. Tell us something about the human spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife felt the whale failed those qualifications. Because it didn't make her reconsider anything about life. She said the scenes of Charlie gorging on food 
we're like watching a drug addict shooting up again and again. What's uplifting about that? I argued that the film's ultimately about a father trying to reconcile with an estranged daughter, which is, you know, a universal kind of relationship. And the way the movie resolves is uplifting. That said, I did think later, you know, Charlie's weight literally has nothing to do with the relationship with the daughter. So then why do you have to depend on that crazy gimmick? Ultimately, I was glad I saw The Whale uh, for Frasier and Sink's performances. Uh, I just wouldn't want to see it again. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then you want to talk about your other thing and I'll, I'll do my other Heartland movie here in a minute. Yeah. So on a, a much different note, I last week read a book called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. And by, you know, you know, I have to say our listeners are going to be concerned about you, Kate, but go ahead. Okay. But listen, just let me talk to you. How to Date Men When You Hate Men by Blythe Robertson. She is a New Yorker and onion writer. Uh, she's a comedian. She, I I might be remembering this wrong, but I think she's a researcher on the Colbert show or was a researcher on the Colbert show. So this is directly from the book jacket. This book is a comedy philosophy book aimed at interrogating what it means to date men within the trappings of modern society. Of course, I feel like it goes without saying, I don't hate men. (laughs) I hate that there are men out there. And fortunately, it seems to be widespread, not technically their fault, but men that uh, have been indoctrinated into this, all of these themes of patriarchy that a lot of us are trying to unlearn women as objects, not a lot of them, unfortunately. And this happens with women too, not being emotionally available, not being able to communicate, just like everybody has just weird dating stories. And so what I really liked is Robert Robertson, I hope I'm saying her name right. It might be Robertson, is sharing her dating fails and her successes. And it's more so just like a reminder that, you know, a lot of a lot of men and women just kind of don't think about the way that dating is set up. What's the ultimate goal of dating? Just because you're dating with one goal doesn't mean that somebody else is. And also like how can we undo uh, some of this stuff that's really harmful to both genders, all genders of like the power dynamics of a relationship and, and all of that, all of that kind of thing. I said, she makes a lot of great points with humor and wisdom. Cause I think now that I've been back on the dating scene, it is, I haven't had any like really bad experiences, thankfully, but it is, I keep saying whenever somebody asks me about what's going on, it's, it's just weird. It's just weird out here because of dating apps, because of, because of everybody's, you know, everybody has their own world and their personal goals and professional goals and what does dating mean to them. And it's probably not the same thing as what dating is to you. It's changed a lot since Mm -hmm. the last time I dated. And, you know, when I think about it, I'm a completely different person now versus when I was dating 10, 11, 12 years ago. So (laughs) like, like Tinder didn't exist. Bumble didn't exist. Hinge didn't exist. So it was just a really funny way for me to, to explore that. Like, I am not the only one that thinks it's weird. Everybody thinks it's weird. 
but it's people still are just kind of trapped in a cycle of unhelpful, unhelpful behavior. And so, and it, you know, and that's, it's for me anyways, I would rather have, you know, a serious, I would rather reflect on what's going on in my life in a comedic way. Like it's Mm -hmm. not helpful for everything to be like, this sucks and this is how to win at dating and whatever, whatever. Like it's not that simple. So I, I felt like it was a very funny kind of a, you know, you're not alone type book. (laughs) Yeah. So did she make any points about how to, how to make the situation better? Maybe. I mean, it's stuff we all know, like you, everybody is going into a date or like, is it even dating? Basically, it's just like, you have to talk to each other and communicate with each other. And, you know, and it's not just men failing at being good people or emotionally available or whatever. It's like, we gotta, we have to talk about how if you're on a dating app, because this has happened more than once. If you're on a dating app, I would assume the goal is to date, to find someone that you can ultimately, hopefully have some kind of relationship with. But I've encountered more than one dude that is like, no, no, I'm just looking for friends. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're on a dating app to quote unquote to you date, which really you're just looking for hookups and that's fine. But don't do this like weird gaslighty thing of, oh, I'm, we're just friends. We're just friends. Like we dated, we tried to date. It didn't work out. Easy as that. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? So like that kind of like weird behavior. So as not to seem affected or to seem like you don't really care that much. It's just weird. And we don't, it's not helpful and we can stop doing that. And so that's it. <laughs> okay. So that was how to date men when you don't really when like you, men? No, how to date men when you hate men, which really it's more like how to date men when you hate men's behavior. Behavior, yeah. Because I, I but the title has to be catchy. It pulls you in, right? right. Um, and again, again, it's not all men. <laughs> how to date women when you hate women's behavior and so i think you should read it dad even though i know you're not dating i think you you should take a look <laughs> okay so her it's jennifer Rub- no. Robeson. sir i wasn't listening wait listen. i wasn't listening huh that sounds like a male behavior how to date men when you hate men by blythe robertson Blythe Robertson. Now that's a New York name, I have to say. She is. I don't know if she is from New York, but I think she is from New York. She lives in New York. She lives so. in New York, Blythe. <laughs> yeah. We had a waitress the other day who was named Beverly, which a young she was young. And I thought, man, I because my I had an aunt Beverly, you know, when I was a kid. That's one of those names that feels like it kind of went out of fashion for a while. It's coming back. Coming back, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about another Heartland movie that we saw, and uh, I can heartily recommend this one. It's a Cursage, written and directed by Marie Kretzer, and starring Vicky Kreps. And you might remember her from Phantom Thread. I think you've seen Phantom Thread. No? 
uh, and the was movie. that the one with um, Daniel Day Lewis? Is yeah, that right. Yeah, I remember. I have not seen it, but I remember when it came out. Yeah, so that's this is that's Vicky Krebs. Okay, so um, this uh, movie Corsage focuses on a much film subject. In fact, one we've talked about on this podcast before, Empress Elizabeth of Austria, Sissy, who's a tragic real life figure. Uh, her marriage to Emperor Franz Joseph I was unhappy. Uh, her children died prematurely. She had an unhealthy obsession with maintaining her legendary beauty and her death, her, you know, and she was killed uh, by being assassinated at the age of 60. So now you're, now our listeners are thinking, wait, you, you only <laughs> the first one was going to be serious and awful. Then we were going to try to they were transition away. <laughs> Just listen. Okay. So the beautifully shot uh, corsage. I know how you love period pieces and you would definitely yeah. love this. Okay. So the beautifully shot corsage reimagines one year in Elizabeth's life. On Christmas Eve, 1877, Elizabeth, once idolized for her beauty, turns 40 and is officially deemed an old woman. She is faced with a future of strict ceremonies and royal duties that don't allow her to breathe, okay? Symbolized here by the corset she is painfully laced into every time she appears in public, okay? Ah, but she rebels against her public image and comes up with a plan to subvert the role society and history has given her. Corsage recently won the top prize at the London Film Festival and is going to be an Oscar contender for sure. Krebs gives a sublime performance as a woman yearning for liberation, her modern sensibilities out of step with her time. Uh, and what, to emphasize that, we, I've told you about this, the uh, writer-director Kretzer drops playful anachronisms uh, into this period piece. Yeah, them too into this period piece, like a rotary phone, a tractor. Uh, there's a scene where Elizabeth gets angry at this fancy dinner and she leaves and gives everybody the finger. I mean, stuff that would not happen during this time period. <laughs> I can't go into it here, but the movie does give Elizabeth agency over one aspect of her life in an odd way, a very odd way that I still kind of go, hmm, I don't know about that. Um, otherwise, Corsage is a definite movie to see. Highly recommended. Cool. You were worried we were not going to have enough time. <laughs> How long is the show, I wonder? Because we got started a little late. Uh, 20 minutes, I think. 22-ish. Why don't you tell us where, you, where people can find us? <laughs> Why don't you tell us? No, I'll tell. I'll tell them. Uh, people can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Papaholics Podcast. And uh, at Twitter, at Papaholics, on Twitter, at Papaholics, Lord. Um, And then (laughs) if they, if you have any recommendations, reviews, things you want us to talk about, please send us an email to papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. I I remember one thing we forgot to talk about, which was music. I got next episode, next episode. We could talk about that. Let's talk about Southern (laughs) culture on the skids. This okay. is the uh, post postscript. P.S. Postscript. When Kate was growing up, she and her sister, I played a cult band a lot in the house, which is Southern Culture on the Skids, which is a trio out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And uh, they play this uh, mix of rockabilly, surf, swamp boogie, country. 
it's just uh, all kind of all over the monster movie music. It's just kind of all over the place. And yeah. uh, they're very funny. For her birthday, Kate and I went to see them in Louisville. And what mm-hmm. was your experience like, Kate? It was really fun. I'm glad it was my like my first uh, Scots because Southern culture on the skits is that's too much to say uh, in every single sentence. And my first Scots show with my dad, because I know you've seen them before. It was really good. And we've talked before about how it's so fun to go to a show and see performers that are really, really gifted and also not taking themselves too seriously. And they're just, you know, they're happy to be there. So yeah, that was, that was really fun. I have to say Mary, the bass player, Mary Huff, Huff, and who is the, the lead gentleman, Rick, whose name of course went out, out of my head. Rick. I want to say Rick Baker, but that's a a makeup. (laughs) They're much taller than I, than I was expecting them to be. And the drummer was a lot, not that this makes a difference, but that was like something that I was like, Oh, I'd, I don't know what I would was thinking that they looked like, but but that was something interesting. And then I also loved Mary, Mary's her outfit. I love the wig. She had a wig and she and weird sunglasses. She would frequently check her makeup and her hair. You know, yeah, it was fun. fun. And then uh, everybody there were big fans, knew all the words. And then um, they have a song called Banana Pudding. And so yeah. one of the fans brought uh, all these little <laughs> things of banana <laughs> thing. And so, uh, you know, two, two women got up on stage and were passing them out. And uh, I went to try to get some. And uh, they were in like um, a cupcake kind of paper. Right? Yeah. And I reached into the tray and I couldn't get a hold of one. And then I just kind of got all over my hands. <laughs> I I skipped the banana pudding, but it was <laughs> it was funny to watch you do that. They'll, we'll have them on our on the playlist for the show, as well as uh, hopefully their the opening band was called the Get Down from Louisville, and they were fantastic. They did instrumental yeah. uh, surf rock. They did instrumental versions of stuff like these boots are made for walking and California dreaming. They were just super good. And so if we can't find them on spotify we will maybe include some of the originals that they were yeah 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 um yeah because i tried to like find their instagram i tried to find if they're on spotify nothing which is like that's kind of it's frustrating because you want to support um the artist but it's also kind of like old school like kind of cool Mm -hmm. in a way too so yeah (laughs) yeah they were everyone was extremely talented which was i'm always because uh, dad and i have talked about this before i don't feel like my brain works like that and so to watch people that have put so much time in and and also are naturally gifted is is just a really cool thing to see for papaholics i'm steve hall (laughs) i'm kate hall go out and enjoy pop culture bye